Hello, friends, and welcome to Clergy and Callers Getting Coffee. I am Reverend Leanne Twala, and today my special guest is the Reverend Gerard Lowry. He is the Executive Presbyter and Stated Clerk for the Presbytery of Coastal Carolina. He served as the pastor of the Community of Grace Presbyterian Church in Sandy, Utah. He is a proud graduate of Johnson C. Smith Theological Seminary in Atlanta, and he hails from Augusta, uh, Georgia, which I'm sure you're also very proud of hailing from, right? Absolutely. Well, and and I say that, but that that's where my parents live. I was only in Augusta my senior year in high school. Oh, really? Yeah. So I'm a military brat and a preacher's kid. Oh, so, you're a great combo. That's a great combo. So, what military branch was it? Army, Navy, so Army. Okay. Army. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So. We were in, uh, so my senior year, we, we moved to Augusta, Georgia from Charleston, South Carolina. Uh, we were there for six or seven years in Charleston. And then uh, before that, we were in Cleveland, Ohio for six or for probably eight or nine years. Um, so this is why then, you're a Browns fan. That's why I'm a Browns fan. It's in the blood. Yeah. It's okay. in the blood. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, I, I knew that because my dad is a Browns fan. But he grew up in Ashtabula. Okay. Uh, but always when other people where I'm like I don't know that you came from Ohio I'm always surprised when they're Browns fans but oh yeah it's a hard life being a Browns it fan. is a hard life I'm I'm all things Cleveland but Browns are nearest and dearest to my heart so we did get one championship thank you LeBron but um yeah <laughs> being a Browns fan I mean e even way back when I first fell in love with the Browns that was the Bernie Kosar days and you know so wow. we, we would almost get there every year so I had this like interesting thing and because you're a Browns fan, you might be more familiar with uh, the players' names as I like, no, no. I know some of those names, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, my custodian is a um, Browns fan. And so his dog is Baker Mayfield. That okay. Is, <laughs> so like, I know, I know very, very little, but it's not, it's not a passion I shared with my father. And, um, but, you know, in Seneca Falls, we are the home of the National Women's Hall of Fame. And mm -hmm. so when the women are inducted into the National Women's Hall of Fame, they always set up the um, the recipient with a local family called the, they call us ambassadors, where we get to, um, you know, drive them around if they need that, make sure they're at their venues on time, mm -hmm. um, you know, even slight bodyguarding to make sure people don't shove into right. clothes, whatever. So um, I had the privilege of uh, my husband and I had the privilege of being the ambassadors for Angela Davis. And yes, it was, it was pretty sweet. And so like her partner was there and one of her sibling came and so we, I, we, you know, we were chatting, chatting with the, you know, her brother and all this stuff. And, and we were talking about, you know, the race, they have a race here in town. And so, I, you know, he was like, oh, what's that about? And then I said, oh, do you run? And he goes, oh, not anymore. My knees are shot. And I was like, oh, sorry to hear that. He goes, yeah, football. I found out later that that man, he said football, like nothing. He, he played for the Cleveland Browns. I was wow. like, you said football, like high school i was thinking right high right school. that's what i say when i talk about my knees i'm talking about old football injury and i'm thinking high school and you know that's it you know but i was like no you played for an nfl team wow. right like i was like that's that's no joke right because i i grew up in i mean i grew up in ohio i went to ohio state you know we have a great football team mm -hmm. and yet 
only three or four of those players, maybe two in a year, any given year, go on to play in the NFL. And it's so interesting the way we talk about it. Now, I didn't know you played football. You have a, a son who plays is a football. Now, both only of my one boys. Oh, they both play football. Yeah, both. Yeah. And do they play the same position as their dad or are, I mean, are they differently? I mean, shape and size matter. Yeah. So, so they are, you know, my, my youngest, I used to call, or we used to in the house, we call him Littlest Lowry. Um, and now I am the Littlest Lowry. Um, I, I am, they, they both are taller than I am. They both are bigger than I am. Um, you know, and that's a hard thing to, to grapple with, you know, but um, and I have to remind them, I'm still dad. I mean, you know, right. I'm still don't, you know, um, but yeah, so they both play uh, football. They're both on the offensive line. I was on the defensive line. Uh, my youngest uh, can play on both sides um, and he prefers defense, but they both do better at offense. They, and they're both really? far so better fast. than I ever was. So they're fast. Yeah. No? Yeah. To play. Yeah. They, they've got some quicks to them. Yeah. I, I, I don't have speed. I have linebacker shoulders, but that's all I got. That's I have yeah. zero speed. I'm like a wall though. <laughs> like there you go. Um, but but did did they? Do you think in part that was? And I'm gonna I'm gonna transition to something. Uh, I I, I view it as very theological, and I think it's because it's the way you you frame it. Mm. Is you seem to have a a very um, public ritual and practice of what you call sweat care. Yeah. And, um, and so could you, you know, could you tell me a little bit more about this has been going on for a while. This has been a practice, but with your sons, it's probably most of, I mean, you have a daughter too. It's probably most of your kids lives, right. That you've been doing this as a practice that they've been watching. Uh, kind of. So the, it, it's evolved and it's developed into something that I call sweat care. So I think, um, you know, my whole life I've, I've dealt with health and weight, you know, and more weight than health, yeah. you know, just trying to be skinny. Right. right. Um, you're perfectly and, healthy, but you want to be skinny. Yeah, that's right. That's <laughs> right. Um, so it was always about size. I mean, you know, you know, my mom and I, we would go shopping and, you know, we go into a store and she'd say, you know, wear the husky pants, right? And it's that's kind of that's, that's a killer word. Always, oh, it was it was brutal. And they were they were always in the back, they were always on the lowest shelf, they were always dusty, you know. And not off always good choices. I mean, like no. I was I I've always been on the bigger side myself. And I was like, why do they think all big women want to look like gardens or animals? Like right, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Like everything in our, our, like anything I get to choose from either a giant flower print or like mm -hmm. a leopard. And I'm right. like, I'm neither one of those really feel like me. Right, right. And then you got to walk past all the clothes that you would really like to wear to get to yeah. your section, you know, oh, it yeah. was just brutal. So yeah, yeah so that, that's been my whole life just dealing with, with, with weight. Um, and it had, it transitioned um, when we moved here. Um and I started adopting uh, the keto lifestyle, you know, uh, so it was just what I ate. And I uh, I did very well with that, uh, but then realized that, you know, I was losing weight, but I was probably also losing muscle, you know, um, and that there, 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 there are healthier ways to do this. Or, or actually, you don't have to, because um, I, I, I found out, okay, by watching what I eat, I could get to the weight that I wanted. 
but you know, you could also add, you know, some workouts, uh, you know, to keep muscle and, and things of that nature. And so, uh, so yeah, so I've, I've developed uh, sweat care because the other thing too, that I learned to do was self-care. Um, you know, that, that I've been doing that probably for, that's been my buzzword for about five years now. It's just self-care. How do you, you know, care for yourself? And so I, I, I try to do it in my, you know, for myself. I try to encourage my family to do it. I even include it in my ministry. So when, you know, new pastors are coming in to be examined, that's the question that I always ask. So, you know, my commissions on ministry, they know what my question is going to be. It's like, how do you care for yourself? Yeah. Well, I think it's a really important question. I mean, I, I often remind my people that when I hear like Jesus is called to us to um, love one another as I have loved you, it's because he realized in his time on earth that we were really bad at loving ourselves, like that oh, maybe yeah. we're loving each other the way that we loved ourselves. And so Jesus like, no, 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 you guys are, suck at loving yourselves. <laughs> Love each other the way that I've loved you. And um, you seem to be paused for a moment. Yeah, I think it's bad. Oh, there you go. It's like a All weird right. pause. Um, but, but, but I think that is about self-care. I think it's very hard for us to take care of other people. I think our boundaries get foggy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and by boundaries, you know, we mean like, you know, either thinking too high or too low of oneself. I think there's, and, and those lead to different areas of um, concern. And I imagine like, that's a world as an executor, you, you would live in more of being concerned about your, your people's boundaries and, and burnout. (laughs) Oh, Um, absolutely. And have you noticed a difference in like has COVID made it people better carers of self or was it like worse? <laughs> That's a great question. Uh, I, I think it's a mixed bag. You know, I, I think that, uh, I think COVID, at least for, for, for me, what we, what we saw with COVID is how important health was one yeah. that, you know, health really does equal wealth. Um, yes. and so you really have to be attentive, you know, to your health. Um, uh, and and how we how we take care of ourselves, but I, I think for some that that uh, the pandemic helped them to create better boundaries. And I say better in the sense that you know we have hard fast boundaries that are permeable in places, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but the idea of being the you know the pastor that's uh, always on the spot and on call and I'm there and I'm gonna fix the toilet and I'm gonna work on the roof and write the sermon and be at your son's baseball game and you know it, you know you you got to have you got to build in time for yourself. Yeah. Uh, I think that's something that uh, that a lot of us have, have or, or at least doing better uh, with. Yeah. Yeah. And one way you do that is sweat care. And now I'll say you post, which I think is very brave, is you post your times and miles and all that, like it, I, which I'm sure is for personal accountability mm-hmm. um, and, and also progress, right? It's a way to chart uh, progress as well. And, and, and I have people that are are doing this with me. So they're seeing my time and they're saying, okay, I think we can do, you know, this, you know? Yeah. Oh, so you have account. I mean, it's, so it's not just personal accountability. You have a community that also holds you accountable with that. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. Okay. And some that even say, oh, I see you haven't posted in a while. You know, uh, whether they're doing it or not. And I, I appreciate that. I'm like, oh, yeah, you're right. Let me because because there it, it can get away from you. You know, you get if I don't do it early in the morning, you know, yeah. trying to do it after, you know, a whole day. It's just like, nah, I'd rather not. Yeah, there are some things I can do because I'm not I don't feel like I lift the level of weights you do. So one of the things like I'll say I love reading and then there are times I hate it too because mm. when you you can't unlearn something that's been placed there, right? You just can't be like, no, that didn't actually happen. What that's not how that's not how learning works. So like when I read that um you know, women suffer, probably they're assuming from osteoporosis and other things at higher rates is because women tend to do more cardio aerobic styles of workouts where men tend to do more weight-based and they're feeling like the weights are probably one of the reasons that building a muscle is probably one of the reasons that the bones are also staying stronger and healthier. Mm. So I was like, man, I had to add weight. <laughs> Like yeah. you don't have to, I, I'm not trying to be a bodybuilder or supermodel. So like, they're not crazy for me, but they are a part of the practice. And so sometimes like if I can do the intenser workout in a, in the morning, cause I, I, I also prefer the morning, then I can do weights when I'm, I can do my reps and my weights when I'm uh, watching something like it's a mm -hmm. little you know, calm mm -hmm. in the evening. It's not so strenuous for me um, because like, I don't have the same weight practice as our son or my um, husband, right? They, mm -hmm. they definitely lift larger weights than I uh, have any desire to. I'm like, ah, that hurts. <laughs> yeah, and, and I'd love to do that. I'd rather lift weights than doing the cardio, you know, but I've realized I've got to incorporate the cardio, you know, yeah. so, and, and again, at, at this point, you know, I'm, I'm really, I'm trying to unlearn some things that I learned as a child. Um, it's really harder to unlearn. It is terrible. Um, and so, you know, part of that was, uh, you know, you work out to it. Hurting is good, right? So you want to lift until you, you know, until yeah, you, you got to feel that arm. burn, right? Yeah, you got to right. feel that. You got to yeah. tear the muscle. What you want to do is you literally want to tear it so that you can, you know, in the healing, it builds on itself, you mm -hmm. know, and you want to get bulky. And, and now I don't, I don't want to get bulky, but you know, uh, and, and I have to even switch that mentality with cardio. Cause I'm thinking, oh, I want my heart rate as high for as long as possible, you know, cause it, if the heart is a muscle, then I want to, you know, push it. Right. You know, for this, you know, 30 minutes or so and then, you know, let it get stronger. But that's not how the heart works. Um, no, that is not the way that works. Right. So so part of what I'm posting is so, uh, you know, I, sometimes I'll post my uh, my mileage. But, you know, for some people that that are, you know, they kind of keep me on that. But I'm doing my heart rate uh, or I'm trying to figure out, you know, how do I and I'm doing a lot of hit uh, cardio. So I go that's hard for 30 seconds and then you know, try to get my heart rate down for a minute and yeah. 30. So, yeah. yeah. That's, I, I am a hit. I do hit workouts. That's, I actually really enjoy them. I tried CrossFit and I've, I've tried lots of things and uh -huh. I'm like, mm. a part of it was CrossFit needed to be done in a real community, like at the gym. Mm -hmm. And I realized that I do not like to talk to people first thing in the morning. Mm. I like to talk to people, but I, I'm like a slow riser. Yeah. 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 Know thyself. I love uh -huh. it. 
that I was like, and, but I'm also really competitive. Mm. And so like, it was hard. Cause I'm like, my body really isn't ready to do that. But the idea that someone was like double timing my stuff annoyed me. <laughs> <laughs> so I probably would have been the fittest in my life if I had stuck with it, but there was yeah. no joy in mm -hmm. it for me. And it wasn't because of the people in the class, they were great. It, mm -hmm. it was because of like my own stuff that I hadn't yet um, uh, unlearned. Um, so one of the things, and I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna again shift here and to grief. And if you don't want to talk about it, you know, just mm. tell me. Um, but also like to talk about that health and whatever um, has that become also extra important now in this process of transitioning to, you know, your your children's only surviving uh, living parents, mm -hmm. uh, and they they are still young yeah. uh, all of them are still young uh even if they're becoming adults they're still mm -hmm. young um and baby so girl wants to remind me that she's about to turn 21 uh next month she keeps reminding me but yeah she is still my baby girl yes and also her brain isn't fully developed yet so she's not right. <laughs> even if she doesn't even if she wants to be mm -hmm. um and yeah so i mean that's that feels really bizarre I, i'm having trouble with 14 i don't even mm. have a nephew turned 21 recently and that felt weird um mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. he's not even my kid but i held him as an infant yeah um but like has that also shifted some of those mm -hmm. conversations about self-care health mm -hmm. boundaries yeah yeah um I, I think and again five years ago when i kind of started this it was it was a part of something that my wife and i were doing we weren't both doing keto but we were both learning kind of the hard way how important it is to take care of ourselves and our health you know uh, with with her we we were um actually our our entire relationship we were um dealing with wrestling with um trying to manage, you know, health issues and, and crises um, because of, of, of un unprocessed grief, really, um, wow. you know, uh, and, and, it, and, and she had just started working on, okay, how do we process it? How do I, you know, uh, manage that? And um, all of the uh, implications, I guess, uh, from holding that in for 30 years, you know, um, and so, yeah, so, so this, this self-care journey is, 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 um, grief is very much tied, you know, to it. Uh, it, it, it's, um, some, some ways it's the catalyst, uh, for it. Uh, and again, you know, I've learned in, in many ways how important it is to, to be at least, um, attentive, to, to be attentive to your health, you know, um, yeah, yeah, it, it's important. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, and, and you know, though, but you have been very vulnerable with, mm -hmm. uh, Molly's passing, mm -hmm. um, just everything involved in that in a way that I, I think is so helpful to us because I, 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 I find this as a pastor and I don't know if you, um, do as well. Like I call it like the first few days or weeks or months like it's that business of death, right? Mm -hmm. As a family mm -hmm. member, like there's so mm -hmm. much business to take care of. Right. And 
And then, and everybody's there during that time. Like you have such a supportive community during that time, but like you haven't even begun. It's not even setting in that it's real, really. Mm -hmm. Cause you're like, I have to notify, you know, all these things. I have mm -hmm. to plan a service. I have to do these things that, you know, and, and in your added case, like I've got to attend to my children as well while I'm grieving. And, um, all that is really important. And, but then I find what happens is those three, four, five months down the road where it finally sets in to the people in what the inner innermost circle that their loved one is gone. The community has kind of gone, Oh, mm -hmm. but what's that? Mm -hmm. That was a little while ago now. And you're like, yeah, that's not the way grief works. Like, right. and also like, but now I don't have any business, like now the business of death is done. So now I can actually begin the process of grieving. And, and I like that you make it like you, you share memories, mm -hmm. you talk still about heartbreak and loss. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I, I think that's really important for all of us to remember that even if people aren't actively posting it, we are all caring that oh yeah oh absolutely absolutely so i think you know one of the things and this has been oh man um looking back now uh so you know my, my wife we both got covid august of 2021 and i started to get better and she started to get worse after a you know about a good week and um and so she spent 60 days in the hospital in ECMO, um, in, in a medical induced coma. And, and what I, now I'm realizing, now I realize that, because again, I, I'm, I'm leaning into it. So I think, you know, right. one of the things that I've, I've learned is you really have to, you really have to embrace it. You really have to lean into it. You, you can't run from it. You can't ignore it. It, um, uh, and so leaning into it, I've realized that, that even while she was in the hospital, Right. And I would right. be visiting her. And, you know, so she's, she's, you know, unconscious and I'm, I'm sitting there. My prayer is, you know, breathe. I mean, that's, you know, I'm there for hours just kind of praying that she, she, right. um, but even through that, those 60 days, I was grieving, you yeah. know, um, I was thinking about, okay, so when she does get up, you know, maybe, you know, we'll need to, you know, um, have oxygen in the house. Cause you know, cause it was all about the lung that had been just pulverized um by, by covid um so i was like okay so you know i'm envisioning in my mind well maybe we put you know an oxygen tank here and we get a long cord that stretches here and you know we build holles in the wall right. and you know and that, and that you know maybe we don't uh you know we go on vacations we just have to go someplace where we you know can take oxygen and yeah you know so right. I, i'm still kind of thinking about yeah, how our life is going to shift and change. And, and, and even in that, I'm hopeful, but I'm still grieving, right? You know, life is not going to be the same. Um, right. or the dreams that we had are not going to be exactly as they were. And then, of course, um, you know, when she died, you know, then it's just, and still, it, it took a while for that. I, I, I now know that I was in shock. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. Even even the day of the service, and I can't tell you. I can tell you a lot of dates uh, about just that timeline. But but I whatever day that was, it had to have been seven, maybe ten days after she died. We had her service, and I remember, you know, 
looking out on the people who showed up one being shocked that they were there were people there but looking out and there was like there's a wall of light you know behind like i could see two rows and then just white it was just you know i couldn't i couldn't see faces i couldn't tell who was there i remember afterwards people would come up to me and they're talking and i clearly cannot i cannot hear what they're saying it's no. like, you know, the, the Charlie Brown teacher, wah, 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 wah. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. you know, and I'm sitting there and I know I'm smiling because I like, I know they're talking to me and they're saying something nice or trying to encourage, but I can't hear you, you yeah. know, um, yeah. but, but yeah, you've got to lean into it. You've got to, you've got to embrace it. And, you know, I'm a part of some widow communities on, on Facebook. And so again, you know, just the, the sharing of what we're going through kind of uh, helps to I hate to say normalize, but it really does to say, okay, I am not crazy. This is, no. you know, this is what, what, what's going on. But it's, it's like riding a wave. Grief is like being at the beach, you know, and the water is like up to your chest and, you know, the wave is coming, you know, it's coming. It's going to lift you off your feet. There is nothing you can do, but ride the wave and know that at some point you will be back in the sand again, you know? Um, yeah. And, and, I, the, I, and the next wave is coming. So, and, you know, and, and I, I, I'm, you know, I'm not going to go into here, but I'm, I'm somebody who, who wrestled with an ocean wave, like in real life. And I, I lost, I lost that battle and, mm. and it was brutal. And, and when I hear that now, I'm like, yeah, sometimes that's, that's it. Sometimes that wave that comes in, picks you up by the head and slams you into the rock before you stand on that sand. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, that's right. The, the the gentle wave just lifts you up and puts you back down. Yeah. That, that, yeah. Right. But some of those waves are not so gentle. And and I'll say, like, even in my case, one of my injuries didn't even appear and begin to cause pain until two years after the accident. Yeah. And and you're like, didn't even know it happened. Mm -hmm. And it was and then you're in another bout of recovery. And so I'm like, yeah, that's what grief is like, right? It's not this like, you know, sometimes it can be a gentle flowing breeze. You get a nice reminder of a memory and you're like, oh, that's so pleasant, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And then, and then other times you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and what I thought. So, so in that, I mean, your faith is, you have a very strong whole like faith uh background and current present um but have you found like you've got gotten into some um i call them theological wrestling matches with god like i always think of jacob and the angel when i think about like god and i tussle a lot yeah. i don't know what yeah. other people do but god and i we tussle mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um and and again it almost always leaves me with a limp but also a blessing um and so have you found like has that been something you you've always done have you done more in this process of this like new phase you found yourself in, in the last few years yeah that, that's a good question I even my counselor uh asked me and let me say that if you are a pastor that does not have a counselor then you, you are may not be doing ministry right you know you, yeah. you you've really got to you need Jesus and a counselor. Let's just yeah, I love I love Jesus, a counselor, and a coffee, and and my yeah. meds. Like, let's there not, you go. Yes, they, yes, they are a life 
saver, mostly the because they help me to access the tools. That's yes. what I'll say, right? Is like, it doesn't space me out because if it's spacing mm -hmm. you out, it's probably, well, it might not be the right balance for you. But all those things do is help me to access the tools in my toolbox. That is correct. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You use all the resources you can, right? And right. and these are these are resources. These are and really, you know, if we talk about you know sense of call, that these are these are people that are called to these professions, right? So it's not just the the pastor that's called or the ruling elder that's called to do the work of the church, right? But you know, I believe that you know my counselor is called to that work, and you know, uh, right. for for me and for her clients, uh, and yeah. for that, I'm grateful. So use all the all the tools yeah um but yeah uh do, do i i love uh the idea of of wrestling with god and i and i think i brought my counselor up because she asked me if i was mad yeah. at god or have have i gotten angry um and and i i haven't um i i don't um i i would love to and i i i do wrestle with god about you know things but but just not about you know this this particular you know grief and and molly's loss and 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 whatnot um you know um but yeah i, I think wrestling with god is important uh, you yeah. know yeah and, I, and the one thing that i always just say is you know if, if if you're angry at god i think you know when you're angry at someone you look them straight in the eyes right and and right. i think you know it's not this oh you know i love you and thank you you know, when you're mad, you're here. Um, and yes. so, and I think God can handle it, you know? Well, so. yeah. And I, I think we have story after story. I would say the Psalms in general are just mm -hmm. like, you know, an emotion wheel. <laughs> like, like someone could probably create a Psalm emotion wheel like they use for being able to identify your feelings. That's awesome. Go ahead. <laughs> No, that is, that is awesome. I mean, really? So that was something that I was introduced to, you know, again, you know, growing up, you know, emotions were something that you kind of, they were in the way. Right. Right. So you had a goal. Some are bad and, you, and some are good. That's right. And, but you had that goal and the goal is out there. And then you feel this thing and you have to tell yourself, put that emotion away so you can achieve the goal. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I, I had these, I didn't know how to process my own emotions. You know, I, I saw emotions as bad things. Right. Um, and so my counselor introduced me to the wheel, you know, because because really the the my, my the breath of explaining my emotions were I feel good or I feel bad, you know, or I'm, I'm angry, happy I'm or sad. sad. That's <laughs> it. Those were the four, right? Um, and and I think what happened? I got hit by um, a, a work truck. It was during the pandemic. I was on my bicycle, hit by a work truck. Yes, I remember and, this very vaguely. Yeah. 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 And so I'm at the doctor's office and she says, explain the pain. And I'm like, it hurts. And she says, no, explain it. And I'm like, how do you explain pain? You know? And she's like, well, is it stabby? Is it achy? Is it throbby? Is it like a, I was like, wow. I, I just had not, you know, availed myself to, to the right. idea that there were these uh, just, uh, there's a full expanse of, of, of emotion and feeling and, and all that. And so she introduced me to, a um, uh, body scan, 
Yeah. You know, uh, and so I've introduced my boys to that. So, you know, we talked about my son uh, playing football. He had a concussion yes, last week. Terrible. Oh. Yeah. Well, was it last week or the week before? But, the week but, before, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Part of our, that's right, because he didn't play last week. So part of our, um, and, and so I'm, I'm trying to, I've been teaching them the body scan, you know, so let's, let's kind of, let's sit, let's assess kind of what are we feeling? Where are we feeling? What are we, are feeling? we feeling? Right. How are we feeling? Yeah. And the thing that other, um, like a chiropractor, massage therapist, like these are people like uh, acupuncturists, whatever you go to. Mm. One of the things that I have learned from, you know, using those again, resources at various points in my life is that sometimes the pain in my foot is actually a pain in the hip, yeah. right? And yeah. you're like, what? No, it's a pain in the foot. And they're yes. like, no, it's connected. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you're, you know, and so they're like, that's also the importance of the body scan because in doing that, you might be like, actually all the tension I'm holding is like, you know, here. And mm -hmm. then- you know, it's mm -hmm. radiating down to my fingers or whatever. But in doing that, you kind of walk, um, you know, you walk through that. Yeah. One of the um, speaking of concussions, one of the things that we noticed in our, our son, because uh, once you've been hurt, sometimes there can be a hesitancy to mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. try again. And so our son had our eldest had um he has sievers, which is like growth plates, right? It's in the ankles. So they're too long. So he got benched, I don't know, five months and PT for that. During This is all during middle school. So, right. All the time you're growing, but also all the like, um, awful people, people can be really terrible. People yeah. can be real terrible. Especially and, middle school. Oh, Oh, you want to know yeah. the truth? Go talk to a middle schooler. But mm -hmm. that's not true, actually. Go talk to a toddler. The middle schooler would just tell you however they're feeling and can't process it. That's right. what they're telling you. But right. uh, but and then and then he got better. And then uh in track, he tore his ligament like right at the beginning of the season. So he's out for another like eight weeks. So like we added it up and we think he was out probably in middle school, probably eight months of mm -hmm. not just little action like nothing he wasn't allowed to do anything and and then we've noticed when he came back he was hesitant like he mm -hmm. still has that, like hesitancy oh. to like you know use his body yep you know? and he plays soccer but you still it's very much a contact sport and you had mm -hmm. the ball and you do these mm -hmm. things and so we ended up getting him one of these concussion headbands for mm -hmm. games and practice because I, you know, I don't know if it's a placebo effect or not, whatever, yeah. but we're like, you, 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 you try it. Right. Cause you can't yeah. avoid this whole part of the game. If you're going to play right. the game, mm -hmm. you can't, you know, this is a, this is a time where you had the ball or whatever, but again, like seeing my children sometimes going through stuff like that, then it gives me an opportunity to step back and reflect with a different perspective in my own life and ministry to go, huh, maybe I'm also mm. hesitant. Like mm -hmm. things are going on as mm -hmm. well for Pete and the hurts are are different, but you, you know, mm -hmm. to proceed forward and, um, and the That's way that, yeah, you notice God invites that, like God yeah. 
taking those invitations and then you're like, man, I'm sorry I turned you down so often, God. Mm. <laughs> I See, and I and I've got the I've got the opposite going on. So he's he's oh you say he's yes trying to well, you know, he's trying to run back in. Like, you know, we we've got the protocols and all that kind of stuff. And he's he's <laughs> we were at the hospital the night he got the concussion. You know, we're waiting on the CT scan. And, you know, I'm reading through, you know, there are five protocols that you've got to do after the symptoms go away, yeah. you know, and he's thinking, oh, I can do those on by Monday. And I'm like, no, no, you know, one, even if you could, let's not, you know, um, let, let's take the time, let's slow down, you know. And so I think what I'm really realizing, and so the me five years ago would have been right there with him, you know, yeah. yes, on Let's just, you know, let's get through this, get back in the game, you know, um, no matter what you're feeling or whatever, just put that to the side and, you know, for the sake of the team, you know, and and I, that was my way of doing ministry too, you know, um, and so, you know, I, I tell the story that, you know, three kids um, and, and I didn't take any of, I didn't bring any of them home from the hospital, it, it, really? none of them. All three of them were released from the hospital on a Sunday. But my thought was, you all can get home. Let me go. The team is, you know, the team is is gathering at the at the church. Wow. And I've got to, I am the quarterback of the team. I've got to be there. Not one of your congregants went, what are you doing here? No. Well, and they may not have known, to be honest with you. I, I don't know okay. that they knew. But, but my mentality was, you know, uh, I was willing to sacrifice my own health, the health of, you know, in not health of my family in this instance, but in instances, you know, the health, yeah. because the team is, is out there. Right. right. And, and, um, and so, you know, if I'd really, if I had the mentality then that I have now where it's, you know, I've got to be, and this is my thing about self-care where I tell people, Self-care, the, 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 the image is, you know, when you get on a plane, the, they say, if something should happen, you know, mask will fall from the ceiling and you put your mask on first before you help someone else. And that's, that's what self-care is. And so now I understand that in order for the team to be its best, you know, I've got to be my best, you yeah. know. Um, and so we've got we've to take care of this. So I need him to slow it down, right? I need you to be your best, uh, to be, to get healthy, let your brain heal. Um, and then, you know, when that happens, you can go back out, you know, and, and help your team. But if you're not a hundred percent, then you can't give your team a hundred percent and you're not helping your team, you know? No. And actually the most helpful thing you can do right now, then if you can't physically be there is you, you can still be present, right? You can still cheer them along. And there, that is not a nothing role. <laughs> Right. That's not right. nothing. And I, right. I think sometimes we act like the bench is nothing. And you're like, nope, mm -hmm. they mm -hmm. they are not nothing. They get us ready. The people who are in the game get ready and prepared by the people on the bench. Right. It's often, you know, sometimes it's somebody on the field, sometimes it's somebody on the bench that is the the support or the word you are able to hear. Mm-hmm. It's not, you know, sometimes I've noticed it's not that everybody isn't telling you, slow down, take it easy. It's like, but there's only one person that you're hearing. Right, right. And 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 the view that you get when you're not in the, so the part of the problem is if you're not, if you're in the game, you can't see the whole field. No, 
you know, so, you know, you know what it's like to be on the field. Now you're, you're here and you can see more of what's going on. So you can help your player on the field to say, Hey, you, you may not be seeing this, but the guy is coming. He's always coming on your left side, you know, that kind yeah. of a thing. So, so as an it. executor and stated clerk, do you feel like, do you feel like that's part of the gift that those positions give to the denomination? Absolutely. Absolutely. Cause you know, um, and, and I remember, you know, when you're in the church, you know, you got your, got your kind of, you're the pastor of your, you know, kind of what's going on with all the committees, you know, yeah. that's going on in right. your congregation. But what you don't know is what's going on with the congregation down the street, you know? Yeah. Um, so, right. so I, I've got a hundred, there are 174 congregations in the Presbytery of coastal Carolina. And so it is. It is. They're, 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 they're like, we're like 51. I think we might even be 50 now because I, I can't remember. Like, we're just closed there. I don't know if it actually closed yet. So, like, but so that means you're triple our size. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think we've got we've got the the most in any presbytery in the denomination, but but a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of churches under 100, definitely under 50 members. Um, right. And so but but again, you know, so so what I see is, you know, kind of the was it 30,000 foot view or 10,000 foot view right. kind of what's going on with these churches, you know, um, that that they may not be able to see. And so they think there are a lot that think we are the only ones that are struggling in this way. Are we the only right. ones that are suffering in this way? So a lot of times when I go to these churches, it, it's to encourage them by saying you're not the only one. Right. Um it, it's it's sharing. Uh, you're you're on the field. You're in the battle. Whatever. Um, right. But but the view from up here is it's just it, you're not alone. This is not again kind of like with the widows group. You're yeah. not crazy. You know. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And and so with with all of that is there then with that thirty thousand viewpoint with that gift of talent in reminding people that. They're not alone. That's why we do this as a presbytery because we're not alone, right? Is there a um, is there a conversation that you feel like the the church or the larger church isn't having that yes. we really need to be having? Yes. Okay. Yes. You want to tell me Grief. what that is? You're like it's too much. Grief. Okay. Grief. We have not, and and I think again, part of it is it's my perspective. It's 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 you know where I am now, right? Yeah. Uh, and have been, but but what I realized, uh, wrestling with leaning into my own grief, is that it's the same as, or it's it's similar. It's it's still grief is what I'm hearing from, you know, my congregations. You know, I, I knew coming here. Um, you know, I was in, in, in Sandy, Utah for nine years and then, you know, took this call um, in 2018. And I knew coming in that there would be, you know, people talk about dying churches, quote unquote, yes, yes. and I hate that. I hate that. Um, but what I realized is that in some of these, some of these quote unquote dying churches yes. are in towns that have already died. Like, like there's, there's, there's no school, right? Yeah. You've got to, you, they're, they're, the kids are bust. If they're, if they're kids, they're bust to the nearest school. There's no grocery store. Nope. You know, your, their grocery store is a gas station, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. And, and, and you know, if there, there's a town hall that's open, you know, Tuesday, Thursday, you know, or the something right. like that. There's I mean, no that's, library, there's nothing. No, nothing. There, there is that the, the, the church is the last thing that's really left. It's the last institution that's left in, in, in town. Um, and, and that the people there are, are, they're not just grieving what has happened to their church in terms of the size shrink, but that people, uh, you know, their kids had to move in order to get jobs, you know, um, and no, their grandkids are not, or their kids are not moving back. Um, there's nothing for them if they did. That's right. That's right. Um, and so there's a lot of, there's a lot of unprocessed grief going on in the church. And so it, it presents itself as, you know, we're angry at, you know, whatever. If only we had, you know, a, a young pastor with 2.5 kids, you know, to come and bring, you know, kind of raise a youth group by, you know, it's always the seat of his loins. It's never hers, the seat of his loins, you know, <laughs> yeah. um, th then things would be fine. And, and no, they, they, yeah. they, but, but dealing with grief, that's where we need to, we need to have some conversation about how do we deal with, uh, communal, um, grief and, and, and the Bible is, has plenty of resource, yes. you know, yes. as long as we start to see that what we're doing is grieving, you know, the Psalms are rife. Yeah. Plentiful. I, I mean, it, it is, it's very fascinating what you're bringing up. I think, I I think that, um, you know, sometimes what I prefer, I, I prefer talking about language that is more about um, legacy, mm -hmm. stewardship in terms of like, not just money, but stewardship is also our gifts. And, and I do think, and part of it is because the Bible tells me so on this, right? Mm -hmm. The gifts that you need to serve the gifts that you need are, are there, whatever right. it is that you need, it's already present. Everything we need, we've got. Yeah. And, and so that, that's like a, a stronghold. So I'm like, even if you're small, even if you're whatever, how do we discern what it is that God is calling us to do with where we are now? Right? Yeah. And, and some of that might be identifying grief. You know, we have had, um, my con this congregation where I serve, there's been a lot of loss in this year. Uh, it just happens like that sometimes that you have just like, it's mm -hmm. just all together. Um, they were, you know, very active people, very like, you know, all this stuff. Additionally, we have had giants in our community people we partner with in ministry outside of church also pass away and <clears throat> some of those people had lovely services or are going to have lovely services some of them um didn't do anything or they did it just with the family or whatever i think the rituals are important and because some of the church family was was not included in that ritual um this year for all saints day um, I said, well, what would happen? What, what if we just try this? We, we generally invite people to bring like a picture or an item or something of anybody you lost in any given year, 
place it up on the communion table, right? We we name the people who have passed away mm -hmm. from the church that year, but obviously we always bring that stuff with us. So this year I was like, let's instead, um, let us bring, and so you can bring as much or as little as you want, uh, the favorite food of mm. the person that you love and you've mm -hmm. lost, whatever it is. And then after worship, we will go downstairs in coffee hour. We will eat the food that is at the table, whatever it is. It doesn't need to make sense. You don't need to coordinate it. It is what it is. Yeah. And we'll tell the stories of the people. Mm. We'll tell whatever those yeah. stories are of the people yeah. that we have lost. And that will be an extended communion, mm -hmm. fellowship, whatever. I mean, for me, it's communion. Mm-hmm. Because for some of those people, they're people that we didn't get to mourn in the, we didn't get the ritual right. associated with the, that are important at the grieving process and not just the ones that come right up front. I mm -hmm. think the things I like about uh, Jewish and Muslim traditions are, they're the ones I'm most familiar with that do this, though I think they are also embedded in Hinduism and even Buddhism a little bit more. I don't know why Christianity doesn't seem to do this as much, or at least not Protestantism. Mm -hmm. I feel like the Catholics do, right? The the yearly uh, prayers on mm -hmm. the anniversary of the someone's mm -hmm. death, or mm -hmm. you know, not just on All Saints Day, but I think those rituals help us. Absolutely. And I, I think there's this push in mainline Protestantism, or maybe it's just PCUSAism, like um, to just roll past the grief. Mm -hmm. And then what you're going is no, the grief yes. is the problem. Yeah. Us not dealing with the grief is an issue. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Cause because we're we're still holding it, right? Yeah. Even if we try to get past it, it's it's like, you know, um, uh, what was it? It's um, in the in the exam in St. Ignatius, uh, there, there's some, uh, Thibodeau, I think one of the writers uh, talks about having hidden furniture in the yeah. room, you know, and it's it's that one piece of furniture where in the dark, you you, you keep bumping your big toe against it, and you it know, and, so, and it hurts, it hurts. And so, you know, you've got to address, you know, you've got to address the furniture in the room, you've got to address where you are. You yeah. know, let, let's let's deal with it. Let's wrap our arms around it. Let's let's raise an Ebenezer. You know, have some kind of ritual about right. it, um, and then really deal with it. And and so in that way, because because we we can try to move on, but it's moving with us. You yeah. know, yeah, yeah. It's um. So I mean, this is the title of my podcast comes because I was a huge fan. I am a huge fan of uh, Jerry Seinfeld's comedians mm. and cars getting coffee. And he has this wonderful interview with Trevor Noah. And this was before Trevor Noah, he had been announced as the new, like it's a while ago now, because now of course he's gone. He has just been announced as the host. And so Jer there's this, this moment where they're, you know, having coffee and um, Jerry Seinfeld says to him, I think pain is the knowledge that your body needed at that moment. Hmm. And he said, you bump your, you bump your toe on that piece of furniture. Right. And mm -hmm. that was knowledge that you needed, right? The pain is like, Hey, this piece of furniture is right here. Mm -hmm. And it was knowledge that you needed at the moment. And, and I was like, Ooh, that's a very different way. Like to think about pain, yeah. that, that pain might be that 
knowledge that we needed in the moment. And so if we mm. just say, you know, no, that I didn't need that knowledge. It's going to keep. Yeah. It's yeah. going to keep coming back until right. you learn it. God's like, I have nothing but time. <laughs> or or it's, the, it's the body telling you there's something wrong here. You've got to address. Yeah. There's something going on. You, you've got to pay attention to this leg. All right. Or, or like you said, you may feel it in the leg, but it's really there's something somewhere else that is causing now the leg, you know, to to hurt. And, and you've got to address it. You have yep. to. You have to address it. It's beautiful. Um, so I look forward to your webinar on that to teach all the rest of us in the <laughs> how to do that or your book or whatever. I feel like it, it it'll be coming. Um, yeah. But I, I, you know, this brings us to the the close of our time together. There is a question I always ask my my guests because because I do think of it as being a symbol of the Holy Spirit or a modern day um, visual of what the Holy Spirit is is the Care Bear, right? Mm -hmm. Because they just have a unique gift, something that is corely you know, them as they were created, whether it's grumpiness or sunshine and rainbows, it doesn't mm -hmm. matter. It's uniquely them. And they use it and shine that light out into the world without hiding it under any bushel in order to heal, right? The world yeah. that they're in. So, um, so if you were a Care Bear, if, <laughs> if you're odd as a Care Bear, what color Care Bear are you? What color is that for? Or colors? I'm not going to limit you. And uh, what is the emblem on your belly? What is that core thing that mm. shining out? It shines. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, 80s babies unite, right? Yes, oh, uh, for sure. Yeah. yeah, and I see, I see your Care Bear just over your shoulder. Yeah, there. mine has an anvil on its belly, which I had to add because there's no anvil Care Bear. Um, Ooh, I like that. I, yes, well, for me, I feel like I have a gift of mercy, and it was described to me once by one of my mentors as uh, mercy is an anvil. It is hmm. the tool that other tools hit themselves against in order to take shape. Wow. I love that. Yes. Yeah, I was and thinking anvil and I was thinking Looney Tunes and it just falls from the stop. You know, fall on your head. You're just gonna stop. <laughs> but no, she I, I think she was I was because I told her, she told me she thought I had this gift. And then weeks later, I worked at the summer camp with her. Weeks later I went up to her and I was like, Faye, um, I don't like this gift. This sound, I don't like it. This hurts a little bit. What you've described to me, I don't like it. It hurts and I want to give it back. And she's like, yeah, God's gifts. You don't, you can't re-gift them. You don't get to, yeah. like, yeah. you don't get to give them back. Yeah. And she's like, let me tell you why I think that this gift, I told you that I, I discerned that, you know, she had a dream and that's the gift she felt she was a mm. message she felt she was supposed to deliver to me. And she's like, let me tell you why I think you're telling me it hurts. Mm -hmm. And I have sat with that image forever and only in learning to lean into it, as you so said, right? Mm -hmm. Has it really be, has it really taken on and become a, um, not, not that it never hurts, but that I'm not actively always being hurt hurt mm. like I recognize I was designed and not designed to be hit in order for people to take abuse like that's right. not what right. anvil is right right it's to take shape 
to get their gift, right? And mm-hmm. and that's very different. So for me, that might speak to something like accountability, which now mm-hmm. I call holy feedback. Let me give you some mm-hmm. holy feedback, right? You know, or or you know, it's it's compassion. It's suffering alongside somebody. It's you know, mm-hmm. it's you know, it's whatever. It's sometimes advocating and sometimes holding space for silence, like but only in leaning into it and not wanting to give it back did I begin to see it as a gift. Yeah. So, so what is your belly gift? That's mine. (laughs) So that's a great question. Um, so when you said, so color, let let me, let me go color first. Uh, I really feel like your, your, um, your, your fraternity colors are going to shine through in this moment. You, you, that's where I'm going. I, I am going, you know, is is there a color darker than black? Um, <laughs> but but I'm I'm definitely going, you know, jet black, maybe even sequin black, you know, it's got a little shine sheen <laughs> to it or something. Yeah. Um and uh and, and and I'm thinking and I don't I was thinking black because uh fraternity colors of course love that uh but uh i feel like that i i've got this i don't want to say it's a it's a call i never want to talk about my sense of call or or i've always struggled with being like oh i'm called to this you know but i have this ability um to black is not what is it they say when when you're when you're in black like dark spaces, it's not the absence. Of, there there's light still yeah, in yeah, those yeah, spaces, yeah. and I feel like that that part of my gift, part of my call, is to go into spaces where people feel like there's no light, mm-hmm. and say no, there there is light here, you know, um, and 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 I think uh, so. My belly gift is how about a magnet. That's uh, yeah, to to because 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 what I am is I'm a gatherer, you yeah. know. I, I like to pull people in, um, and I think if if I can, um, pull people um that don't know they're in dark spaces into 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 seeing the light in those in those dark spaces, and even people who think they're alone in dark spaces, yes. inviting other people in to say, listen, we, we're we're here together, you know. I I think that's that would be my Care Bear. I'm a black sequin uh, Care Bear with uh, a golden magnet on my <laughs> That's awesome. I, I will say it has been a secret desire of mine that somebody who's super crafty and loves theology has been listening to this and uh-huh. they're secretly just crafting all our Care Bears and they're going to yeah. one day just gift them to us. I just, I just have like, it's not happening, but I just have this, like, it's this secret wish that like this new level of like <laughs> God's Care Bears are just going to come mm. out into um, the world or something. I don't know. And, and yeah. you could, you can really design your own Care Bear and such a thing. Cause I, I would love um, you know, even if it's a sticker, I would love it mm-hmm. to like be there to remind us, right? To tether mm-hmm. to that notion of like, yeah, you have this unique ability to bring people in and to remind them that there is light present and it's that light. they're not 
alone. Yeah. That's, yeah. A, that's a really, really powerful gift. So I, I am looking forward to seeing how you're going to do that, not only in coastal Carolina, but for our denomination at, yeah. at large. Um, so I thank you for carving time out to be here. Absolutely. Today. Absolutely. Thank you for this. So, and let me just say that, that, uh, that care bear, that was great. My uh, a fr dear friend of mine who died this year uh, by the name Buddha was what we called. I don't know if you, did you know Buddha, Montreat, uh, Baldhead? Uh, I don't gentleman? feel like I did. I, I did. I spent my time at Montreat more when I was a child than I have in my yeah. adult life. He used to call me uh, sugar bear. Uh, and, 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 you know, cause he, he, he said I had care bear quality. So that was, yeah. that was, so but thank That's you for awesome. this time this has been fantastic yeah thank you